All right, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this week's episode of Roundabout Sports presented by Interstate 70 Sports Media, where our passion is our profession. Thank you for tuning in. It is Wednesday night, August 30th, 2023, and I'm the maestro, Jeremy Carp, and it is a beautiful night outside. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether you are on Facebook on Twitter, on or, or on our official YouTube channel. We're going to kick things off. Um, this was, We were going to do a tribute episode. So last week on Roundabout Sports, we did a tribute to the late, great Terry Funk, and who had passed away. Well, it turns out that less than... You know, 48 hours later, um, Wyndham Rotunda, otherwise known as Bray Wyatt, um, within the WWE, passed away at just the age of 36 years old. Um, and I'm just try. I'm still, you know, trying to grasp everything surrounding that and surrounding his his passing um and it's because it's still an emotional thing to think about because um like i said he was just 36 years old and he had contracted covid earlier this year now he eventually succumbed to a heart attack um, but, you know, he was, for a guy who was dealing with so much, he was so full of life as well. And, you know, wrestlers have paid tribute to him over the past week. Um, he left behind a wife and two ch young children. Um, and... You know, there's just so much about his career, you know, that um, just less, leaves to be desired, you know. And, and here is a graphic we have of Wyndham. Um, he's a part of an iconic wrestling family, his father or his grandfather, Blackjack Mulligan. Um, his father was legendary wrestler, or is re legendary wrestler IRS. His brother, um, wrestles in the WWE as Bo Dallas. Um, and folks, in, in the comment section, definitely be sure to share your thoughts, um, and your memories of Bray Wyatt as we go through this, um, because, you know, there was so many. Um, you know, he was... And this is the thing. It's, for a while, I was in denial about the whole thing. I was in disbelief, and I was somewhat in denial. He was getting better. He was getting close to clear to return. He was primed to come back, and then just all of it stopped. You know, time stopped. The world stopped just everything. Um, and 
you know, Triple H had tweeted it out and left everyone stunned. And we wondered if it was real, if his account was hacked, what, you know, whether it was made clear without any doubt. And when it was made clear that it was true that he had passed, you know, the tears started falling. Um, he had been on hiatus since late February due to illness. And there were recent reports of him nearing a return to the ring. He was supposed to wrestle at WrestleMania 39. That did not happen. Um, and they were hoping in the next few weeks he'd be back, uh, competing. Um, and look, Wyatt achieved the pinnacle of the WWE success. He became a one-time WWE champion and a two-time holder of the WWE Universal Championship. His rise to prominence was marked by his leadership of the Wyatt family, a faction that included members such as Eric Rowan, um, Luke Harper, also known as Brody Lee, who tragically passed away in 2020, and Braun Strowman. Eventually, he would debut his singles career as The Fiend. Um, now, um, like I had said earlier in, in this report, in this tribute, that uh, Wyatt contracted COVID-19, which worsened his pre-existing heart problems. Um, and... It was turned out that he had a critical uh, defibrillator that, you know, people with heart problems are almost always required to have, like, right by their side. And unfortunately, his was in his car um, by the time he went, when he went to his bedroom and eventually passed away of a heart attack. Um, and... His feuds with The Undertaker, John Cena, Kane, Randy Orton, the Dudleys, Seth Rollins, and so many others helped him become a household name in professional wrestling. Um, and he was a star among stars, and we as fans took it for granted, you know? Like, no one expected him to pass at 36. None of us, even after his best friend Brody Lee died, thought this was how the story of Bray Wyatt was going to end. He inspired millions by overcoming a lot of mental health issues that he had gone through. And it's, it's something that we advocate on this show every week. Um, and it's a journey that many struggle to get out of, but he got out of it. And his promos after he returned to WWE last year were playing nonstop uh, last night, all over, or the past week, all over social media. The ovations given to him by the crowd when he returned, even though it had been seven months, were just unbelievable. Bray Wyatt showed us just how precious life truly is. Because he was more than just an amazing wrestler in his short life, he was a devoted husband and a devoted father, a brother and a friend, and a joy to have in the locker room. And, you know, there was nobody in the wrestling industry like Bray Wyatt um and you know there definitely won't be you know anymore so you know it, it's definitely just hard to still wrap my hand around so um we have one more quick moment is we just take a little tribute for bray wyatt
All right. Well, thank you, folks, for tuning in. We're back here on Roundabout Sports, presented by Interstate 70 Sports Media. Right now, we got some more interesting uh, wrestling news definitely to cover. So, All Elite Wrestling actually had their all-in events at Wembley Stadium. Um, actually, on August 27th, so just three days ago, and via pay-per-view, it was the first edition of the event to be produced by AEW, um, and it marked the first AEW show in the United Kingdom, um, and it was the promotion's first pay-per-view event held outside North America in general. Um, it was, believe it or not, it's the highest paid, um, wrestling event by, um, the highest paid attendance for a professional wrestling event. It, it sold a paid attendance of 81,035 people in Wembley Stadium, which is ahead of the, um, previous record set by WrestleMania 32, which had 80,709 people. Now, it's the third highest attendance for a professional wrestling event overall, as the infamous Collision in Korea event, an event organized in North Korea, um, had a combined total attendance over two days of 315,000 people. Of course, Those numbers are also very well debated. Um, And, you know, a lot of matches were... seven, 11 matches were contested on the event, including two on the pre-show. In the main event, MJF defeated Adam Cole to retain the AEW World Championship. Um, Meanwhile, um, Soraya defeated uh, women's champion... Hikaru Shida uh, and Dr. Britt Baker and Tony Storm in a fatal four-way match to win the AEW Women's World Championship. FTR defeated the Young Bucks to retain the AEW World Tag Team Championship. Um, And um, CM Punk defeated Samoa Joe to retain the real world championship in the opening match of the events. So there is a le- and if you want more coverage, um, be sure to check out Interstate 70 Sports Media's constant wrestling coverage. And also every Sunday, um, be sure to tune in to Issues with Wrestling with Christopher Miles. Definitely the one of the um, premier uh, wrestling podcast and also every Tuesday night be sure to tune into the wrestle talk p- podcast um, a premier wrestling podcast in its own right um, with the night owl a uh, big sexy Chris Rodell Luke Skywalker Roberts and so many more amazing members of the team but now it's time to shift gears to the world of baseball so this one this is This is an interesting story, folks. So we have former Cardinal Harrison Bader, who is now in the New York Yankees. 
All right. So Harrison Bader was back on the Yankees starting lineup Wednesday, a day after the speedy center fielder learned he had been placed on waivers. Now, this is how he found out. Um, he found out watching television. Um, now, the 29-year-old Bader is a impending free agent. Um, and right now, the Yankees are a sub-500 club and far out of the playoff chase which is exactly why the team has decided to place uh, Bader on waivers, according to Newsday's Eric Boland. Um, so here we go. Other, there's a, the Yankees acquired Bader in a buzzer-beating deal for, back, for Jordan Montgomery back last summer. The move came as a surprise because the Yankees wanted Bader's elite defense in the middle of their outfield. Um, now... Montgomery definitely seems to have been the better end of that deal, both when he was with the Cardinals and now when he's with the Texas Rangers, who is also a free agent, impending free agent as well. Um, over 32 starts, Montgomery had a 3.31 ERA, um, and over five starts for Texas, he has a 2.30 ERA. So... We got that lovely, interesting story for you. Meanwhile, the Cardinals have won two games in a row, and both by Tommy Edmond walk-offs, and both off of Josh Hader of the San Diego Padres. Now, the Padres, look, we know the Cardinals are basically out of the playoff spot, uh, hunt, but you take a look at the San Diego Padres, they are still trying to fight for a playoff spot. Well, this, I believe, drops them to 64 and 70, if not 71. Um, and the Cardinals, once again, have won two in a row. Um, they have a series against the lowly athletics coming up over the weekend that they're hoping will help bounce back as we're getting close to the last month of the season, or at least the last month in three days. So the Cardinals are looking for positive signs wherever they can get it as the end of the season, for them at least, will draw near. Um, and, you know, once, like I said, Tommy Emmon been a big stellar part of the past few games. Um, meanwhile, the Houston Astros actually finished off a historic sweep of the Boston Red Sox. And believe it or not, it's their first sweep of the Red Sox at Fenway Park in franchise history. Um, Houston's won five games in a row and went five and one on its road trip um, to both Detroit and to Boston. Meanwhile, the Seattle Mariners rally for their 21st win of August, which sets a franchise record. Um, this is the first, the Mariners are looking to win their first American League East title since 2001. Um, and with winning their 21st game in the month of August, they pass a record set by the historic 2001 Mariners, who finished the season with 116 wins. Um, but the 2001 Mariners had 20 wins in 
August. So, you know, right and right now, um, Seattle is on the verge of a big road trip. Um, right now, they are actually in first place. Um, they are 76 and 57. Meanwhile, the Astros are 77 and 58. They're just a half game out of the wild card. Uh, meanwhile, the Texas Rangers are 75 and 57. Then you look at a division such as the, um, believe it or not, such as the American League Central. The Twins are the only team with a winning record, um, with a record of 69-65. Everybody else in the division, including the Kansas City Royals at 41-93, and all have a losing record. I mentioned about the Yankees. Well, the Yankees are 64-68 and right now. Um, I did say that the Cardinals um, won two in a row. Um, they are currently 58-76. and Definitely nowhere near where they thought they were going to be. Um, they have a couple off game off, off days. Um, and my apologies, they actually are going to be playing the Pirates starting September 1st. So this will be a weekend series against the Pirates. Um, so, yeah, we look forward to seeing how the Cardinals bounce with, bounce forward with that. Now we go to the NFL because we do have some latest updates, a uh, big time update from Brett Veach um, in regards to uh, Chris Jones, the star defensive end on the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, General Manager Brett Veach spoke to the media on Wednesday afternoon and expressed some optimism. According to Veach, the team has recently been communicating with Jones's camp, and he hopes the star interior D lineman will be in uniform for week one. Um, according to reports, quote, we are certainly hopeful for that. We have been in communication in just the last few days, have had more communication. We're going to continue to press on and work hard. A lot of respect on both sides of this thing. It's been obviously well stated how we feel about Chris, and he feels the same way. We're just going to keep working on this thing. We're looking forward to next Thursday, and hopefully he's in the lineup and ready to go. So while on the did-not-report list, Jones's $19.5 million salary base salary won't count against the cap for the Chiefs this year. Additionally, if he does return and report to the team at some point, KC reserves the right to utilize a two-week window as a ramp-up period that also comes without a requirement of paying Jones. The Chiefs consensus third-best player has taken to social media um, to threaten to drag his holdout deep into the regular season, although it may be a bit more fluid and peaceful than originally thought if his if Veach's perspective is accurate. Like I said, like Brett Veach says, he simply wants to keep chugging along. And after all, next Thursday night, folks, is the opening week one first game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Detroit Lions. And I, among a lot of people, are very excited for that. Um, and 
I mean, yeah, Jared saying how they shouldn't rush Jones to return. And look, Chiefs have a pretty solid defense. Obviously, they are more known for their offense. Who wouldn't think that they are? Like, with when you got the amazing weapons on their offensive side of the ball, but they do have some really good underrated pieces like Legereus Need and Nick Bolton, even when Chris Jones is not in the lineup. I do think it would be good to have him back sooner rather than later, but it doesn't have to be the end-all be-all if he's not in just quite yet. Um, so we do have that. <coughs> Excuse me. Meanwhile, we also have some injury updates out of the Chiefs camp. So three players have been the subject to plenty injury discussions lately. Uh, wide receiver Kadarius Toney, uh, defensive back, like I mentioned, Legereus Sneed, and as well as uh, defensive tackle Tershawn Wharton. Um, we have Tony rehabbing from meniscus injury, suffering in training camp. Wharton's still trying to get back after tearing his ACL last year, and Sneed is dealing with a prolonged knee issue. Um, all of them are avoiding the injured reserve, according to Beach. And there's a legitimate chance that all three should be available for week one next Thursday. Um, and so that's definitely positive news for Chiefs fans to hear about. Because the Detroit Lions, while not on the upper elite of the NFL teams, are no slouches, which... Never thought I would hear myself saying, but nevertheless, it is still very much um, a true situation. So for those tuning in, once again, thank you so much for tuning into Roundabout Sports presented by Interstate 70 uh, Sports Media. I'm the maestro Jeremy Carp. Like I said, the in the 134th game of the season, the St. Louis Cardinals walked it off against the San Diego Padres when they were one strike away. Mason Wynn knocked the double down the left field line. And um, just a few pitches later, Tommy Edmond, who had hit a walk-off home run against Josh Hader the night before, hit a walk-off home run again off of him. And, you know, it's crucial – Wins like this are very welcoming to see. I mean, it snapped their five-game losing streak, and each win was more embarrassing and painful than the last. Um, right now, they are 16-and-a-half out of first place, so don't expect that to change much anytime soon. But the important thing is they're closing in on Pittsburgh, who is currently 14 out of first place. Um, and... Yeah, Pittsburgh. Because I'll be honest, you look at the rest of the National League Central. You got Milwaukee, who's 74 and 59. You got the Cubs, who are 71 and 62. You got the Reds, that are 69 and 66. You got the Pirates, that are 60 and 73. And then you got us lovely Cardinals, who are at 58 and 76. But on the positive side, at least we're not the Kansas City Royals, who are 41 and 93. And to those who are saying, yeah, but it's expected of the Royals, you should never expect the losing culture. You should always go into a season with the winning mentality and the thought that you can do amazing things. And if you're just expecting your team to lose, then why are you even a fan of the team? 
you know that's all i have to say as far as as far as that goes um and you know what's funny though um this is tommy mma interesting history tommy became the first cardinal player with consecutive walk-off RBIs since some guy named Albert Pujols back against the Chicago Cubs on June 4th and 5th in 2011. Um, and St. Louis, like I said, trailed 4-3 between before Lynn doubled off Hader. Um, and... Edmund also became the first Cardinal with three stolen bases in a game since Harrison Bader did on April 23rd last year. This That was um, 18, 19, and 20 on the season for Tommy Edmund. Meanwhile, Jordan Walker, the star rookie, had his first big league four-hit game, including his 12th homer, a tying three-run drive in the fourth against uh rich hill um and this is here's another piece of history at 21 years old and uh jordan walker becomes the youngest cardinal with a four hit game since ken reitz at 21 years old and 76 days old against the new york mets on september 8th of 1972. um said walker after the game i go up there looking for something and I feel like I was just, you know, more decisive on what I wanted to hit. And when they threw it, I was actually ready for it instead of being in between pitches. Um, and it's interesting because today Rich Hill, as I said, was the starter for the Padres. Well, um, this is the only series this season in which two 40-year-olds have started. Adam Wainwright is... Uh, 42 years old, and Rich Hill is 43 years old. They are the only two major leaguers 42 or older. Um, meanwhile, Lars Newbar is to start um, for Thursday for the Memphis Redbirds. And it looks like when the rosters expand on Friday, he and Ryan Helsley will rejoin the big league roster. So... A lot of positive news right there coming out of the Cardinal camp. Um, we got some, we'll check in on the latest of, and, and now it's time. We're going to go back to, um, this is a story that I've had a lot of comments about, a lot of people sending insight to me about it, and I'm going to give as much clarity on the situation as I can. So... During the latest Wrestling Observer Live edition, Brian Alvarez discussed what he's learned about the tension between Jack Perry and CM Punk at Sunday's AEW All-In London at Wembley Stadium. Now, Alvarez mentions that he has communicated with multiple sources since the, the episode aired and found there are varying accounts of the incident. So... Discussing the background of the Perry Punk issue, which occurred weeks prior and involved a glass stunt with Hook, Alvarez verified that Perry had prearranged vacation plans. He further added that while the glass 
The car glass stunt in the collision event was greenlit. CM Punk vetoed it. Alvarez shared, The issue from the Jungle Boy side was the belief that I got this okayed, it was cleared with the company, and then this guy didn't let me do it. He felt that he not letting me do it because I'm friends with the Young Bucks. That was what was in his mind, apparently. Now, Alvarez clarified this information didn't come directly from Jack Perry, but had been coming internally within the company for weeks. On the subject of CM Punk's reported transportation problems, there's a whole bunch of stories. Um, One version he had heard is that when he arrived there, there was nobody there, but he got a hold of people. And he offered, or they asked if he wanted to take the train back. Um, but the big one right here is the altercation between Jack Perry and CM Punk. And this is what Alvarez says. He said, Jack goes through the curtain. He goes through the glass, and they're working on his cuts. This was shortly before the show was supposed to go on the air. CM Punk walks by and says, do you have a problem with me? Jack Perry says something to the liking of, well, you heard what I said out there. CM Punk, according to several people, said something to the effect of, you know I can beat your ass, right? Then there was an incident. It was pretty quick, pretty much 100% said Punk made the comment and either shoved or pie-faced Jungle Boy, grabbed him in the front guillotine headlock, and was immediately broken up. Samoa Joe was right there. Everybody was right there. Nobody got their ass kicked. There was nothing like that. Um, Now, the thing of it is, all this happened in close proximity to Tony Khan. Um, And for those that aren't familiar, Tony Khan is um, basically, he's the founder, the co-founder, or the co-owner, the president, and CEO of All Elite Wrestling. Um, And so, yeah. Um, They got close enough to Khan that apparently monitors were knocked onto him. He was right there and saw everything. And it, it just became a whole bunch of hell. And it's something that we are used to hearing from Anything that involves CM Punk because he's just caused nothing but distractions in the locker room. But unfortunately, and people that like AEW need to understand this, Tony Khan is a pushover. Whatever CM Punk wants, CM Punk gets. That's how it's going over there. So that's and like I said, and we'll keep track with this. I know uh, Christopher Miles will keep track with it as well. As well as the good doctor, um, JM. So, everybody's to stay tuned for Interstate 70 Sports Media as we provide additional coverage on everything that is going on. And for our final story of the evening, folks. Um, so... The among all of the waiver wire cuts, practice squad cuts, and signings, 
trades and everything going on lately. Um, so there's a situation going on in Indianapolis with star running back Jonathan Taylor. Now, Jonathan Taylor has had his injury history. Um, there has been a big, uh, big issue going on lately where, um, Basically, the saga truly began when Colts owner Jim Ursay commented on the deflated running back market and changes proposed by running backs in the league, including adjusting the franchise tag to remove specific pay scales based on position. In that, it became evident Indianapolis had not talked to Jonathan Taylor in regards to a contract extension, leading between a meeting between the owner and Taylor on the bus, which produced Taylor's trade request. And at first, the Colts were making were making it clear they weren't going to trade him. But now, um, they eventually granted uh, his permission to seek a trade. But the thing of it is, the Colts they were asking too much. This is the problem I have personally. You're not willing to pay a running back what you feel he deserves, yet you ex- you don't want to pay him like he's an elite running back, like a Nick Chubb, like a Derrick Henry, you know, like a Christian McCaffrey. You you don't want to trade, you don't want to pay him like those running backs or an Austin Eckler even. But you're willing to try to trade for a package that you would only get from an elite player. They wanted three first-round picks or something of that equivalent. They talked to the Dolphins to get star receiver Jalen Waddle, which no way that was going to happen. You know, and this is all because of the Kansas – or not the Kansas City Chiefs, the Indianapolis Colts and their terrible management in their front office, you know, and they're going to continue to suffer because of it. So – with that, folks, I had to get that out of the way. And with that, folks, we're going to wrap it up this evening here on Roundabout Sports. As always, you can find us on um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, and so many more places. We are on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and YouTube for Interstate 70 Sports Media, as well as Roundabout Sports. Um, as always, we like to close by putting up the... Um, NAMI hot helpline at 1-800-950-NAMI. That is 1-800-950-NAMI. And, of course, I do want to thank all the fans, Jared, um, Piper, Jessica, everybody who tunes in um, every week is always greatly appreciated. But back to the NAMI helpline. It's National Alliance on Mental Illness, um, one of the largest uh, – Nonprofit organizations founded um, on the awareness of people with mental illnesses. And, of course, as always, we put up the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. And for that, you dial 988. It's a line that's open 24-7, 365, 366 on leap years. Understand that you're never alone in this world. Um, there's, You're always just a phone call or text message away to get the help that you truly deserve because nobody deserves to live in pain. Um, 
understand that option's always out there. And you could be the listening ears for somebody else as well. Um, I look forward to being with you all again for the next episode of Roundabout Sports. Everybody have an amazing Labor Day. <clears throat> and remember that life is a book full of empty pages just waiting to be written in. Make your lives worth reading. Good night, everybody.